Section 4 of The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government, Volume 1b. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government, by Jefferson Davis, Volume 1b. Part 3, Chapter 4. Threats of Arrest, Departure from Washington, Indications of Public Anxiety, Will There Be War? Organization of the Army of Mississippi, Lack of Preparations for Defense in the South, Evidences of the Good Faith and Peaceable Purposes of the Southern People. During the interval between the announcement by telegraph of the secession of Mississippi and the receipt of the official notification which enabled me to withdraw from the Senate, rumors were in circulation of a purpose, on the part of the United States government, to arrest members of Congress preparing to leave Washington on account of the secession of the states which they represented. This threat received little attention from those most concerned indeed it was thought that it might not be an undesirable mode of testing the question of the right of a state to withdraw from the union no attempt however was made to arrest any of the retiring members and after a delay of a few days in necessary preparations i left washington for mississippi passing through southwestern virginia east tennessee a small part of georgia and north alabama a deep interest in the events which had recently occurred was exhibited by the people of these states, and much anxiety was indicated as to the future. Many years of agitation had made them familiar with the idea of separation. Nearly two generations had risen to manhood since it had begun to be discussed as a possible alternative. Few, very few, of the southern people had ever regarded it as a desirable event, or otherwise than as a last resort for escape from evils more intolerable. It was a calamity, which, however threatened, they had still hoped might be averted, or indefinitely postponed, and they had regarded with contempt, rather than anger, the ravings of a party in the North which denounced the Constitution and the Union, and persistently defamed their brethren of the South. Now, however, as well in Virginia and Tennessee, neither of which had yet seceded, as in the more southern states which had already taken that step, the danger so often prophesied was perceived to be at the door, and eager inquiries were made as to what would happen next, especially as to the probability of war between the states. The course which events were likely to take was shrouded in the greatest uncertainty. In the minds of many there was the not unreasonable hope, which had been expressed by the commissioner sent from Mississippi to Maryland, that the secession of six southern states, certainly soon to be followed by that of others, would so arouse the sober thought and better feeling of the northern people, as to compel their representatives to agree to a convention of the states, and that such guarantees would be given as would secure to the south the domestic tranquillity and equality in the union which were rights assured under the federal compact there were others and they the most numerous class who considered that the separation would be final but peaceful for my own part while believing that secession was a right and properly a peaceable remedy I had never believed that it would be permitted to be peaceably exercised. 
Very few in the South at that time agreed with me, and my answers to queries on the subject were, therefore, as unexpected as they were unwelcome. On my arrival in Jackson, the capital of Mississippi, I found that the convention of the state had made provision for a state army, and had appointed me to the command, with a rank of major general. Four brigadier generals, appointed in like manner by the convention, were awaiting my arrival for assignment to duty. After the preparation of the necessary rules and regulations, the division of the state into districts, the apportionment among them of the troops to be raised, and the appointment of officers of the general staff, as authorized by the ordinance of the convention, such measures as were practicable were taken to obtain the necessary arms. The state had few serviceable weapons, and no establishment for their manufacture or repair. This fact, which is true of other southern states as of Mississippi, is a clear proof of the absence of any desire or expectation of war. If the purpose of the northern states to make war upon us because of secession had been foreseen, preparation to meet the consequences would have been contemporaneous with the adoption of a resort to that remedy, a remedy the possibility of which had for many years been contemplated. Had the southern states possessed arsenals, and collected in them the requisite supplies of arms and munitions, such preparation would not only have placed them more nearly on an equality with the North in the beginning of the war, but might perhaps have been the best conservator of peace. Let us the survivors, however, not fail to do credit to the generous credulity which could not understand how, in violation of the compact of union, a war could be waged against the states, or why they should be invaded because their people had deemed it necessary to withdraw from an association which had failed to fulfil the ends for which they had entered into it, and which, having been broken to their injury by the other parties, had ceased to be binding upon them. It is a satisfaction to know that the calamities which have befallen the southern states were the result of their credulous reliance on the power of the Constitution, that, if it failed to protect their rights, it would at least suffice to prevent an attempt at coercion, if, in the last resort, they peacefully withdrew from the Union. When, in after times, the passions of the day shall have subsided, and all the evidence shall have been collected and compared, the philosophical inquirer who asks why the majority of the stronger section invaded the peaceful homes of their late associates, will be answered by history. The lust of empire impelled them to wage against their weaker neighbors a war of subjugation. End of Part 3 Chapter 4